Like a chrysalis, we're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by SAGE, transforming the way people think and work so their organizations can thrive. I'm Ron Baker, along with my good friend and Veris SAGE Institute colleague, Ed Klass. On today's show, folks, we have, for the third time, Joe Woodard. Hey, Ed. Hey, Ron. How's it going? If I were any better, it would be illegal. Okay, good. Well, I'm looking forward to this conversation. Uh, let me read Joe in here as if people don't know him, but just real quick, he's an author, consultant, business coach, and national speaker. He's trained over 100,000 accounting and business professionals. He's been on the top 100 influential people uh, for many years, and he is the CEO of Woodard Events, which includes education, coaching, resources, and a community for small business advisors and small business owners within the accounting industry. I love his vision to transform small businesses through small business advisors. Joe Woodard, welcome back to the Soul of Enterprise. It is always great to be here, Ron. You were here in Dece December 2016, show 119, and September 2019, show 258. We had a little thing in, in the interim since we last met, Joe, called COVID. <laughs> what lessons did we learn? Well, I learned that accountants are even stronger than I had imagined. Um, they are, they not only navigated themselves and their families and their own businesses through an extremely difficult time, an unprecedented time, they held small business together on this planet. The CARES Act in two waves, PPP compliance, forgiveness that was part of that CARES Act, um, EIDL loan filing, um, all while they were also working from home, disrupted, scared. But what I saw was a group, you know, the theme of our show coming up this year is Unstoppable, which we picked before the COVID crisis because we already knew this, what this group was like, right? But what I saw was an already unstoppable group become intensely courageous. So rose to the occasion would be the best way to phrase what happened or what I learned is that we can rise to any occasion. Yeah, I I think it 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 drove home the point for me that this the end of the day, this is a relationship business. Yes, and it it's is. It's all about that relationship, and you know the tech stacks we talk about, and the transition to advisory, and all. The end of the day, man, this is belly button to belly button, and we're just like healthcare workers. We're on the front lines. Absolutely. Now, while all of that is true. And without diminishing all of that truth at all, the other thing I learned is that we are more prepared for virtual interactions than I had thought. Um, and I think accountants learned that they were more prepared to go full cloud than they thought, because everything, as we know, got accelerated through the virtual interaction space. I think firms realized that they can have work from home environments and be effective. I think that firms realized they can be virtual with their clients and be effective. So relationship front lines, while ironically not being on the front lines, you know, right. calling to them from Zoom. 
Um, now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't ever go to our clients' offices again or anything like that. I'm just saying we learned exactly how effective we can be. So in addition to rising to the occasion, we've also learned that this profession is highly adaptable, much more so than I would have said 10 years prior. I think if if COVID had hit in the in the around the year 2009 or 2010, I don't know that the accounting profession was prepared to handle it. But we had adopted just enough and the cloud technologies had evolved just enough that and collaboration technologies that we were able to just sprint to that finish line and get that done. Yeah, I, it's something that's talked about with other guests on the show. If, if you spun back to 2010 or 2000 with COVID, I, I don't think many businesses would have been able to handle it very well without you know all the amenities we have today with uh, the internet and everything. Um, so what, what innovations have you seen from firms? I mean, we talk about the switch to the cloud and firms said, oh, this could never happen. Obviously, remote work became a thing. And we're very interested here in results only work environment. Have you seen other innovations come from firms during the past year and a half or so? I'll, I'll tell you one that will delight both of you guys that I've seen in the small bookkeeping space. I've seen less emphasis on the duration of time that you sit in your chair um, because it is harder to measure the duration of time that they sit in their hair, their chair. They, they can actually, they can say how long they did it. And I know there's always a certain amount of honor system saying how long that you focused on one client plus a little bit of impossibility because how do you actually measure down to the second and uh, your attention on a client? You can be thinking about them, you know, brushing your teeth. That's the problem that's inherent in that tracking system. What this did though, is because we, we had such a gap between what they said on their timesheet and what we could actually visibly determine, we had to, we were forced to, as small firms, focus on the results the person was generating. It was the only measurement that remained visible. And so, ironically, lots of silver lining here on a very dark cloud, right? That we advanced our way to the cloud, that we that we strengthened our relationships with our clients, while at the same time, it forced us to, out of sheer necessity, uh, to put it in doors terms, measure what matters. Yeah, yeah. Um, have you seen more and more firms adopt a value pricing model out of this COVID pandemic? Um, I wouldn't know that, I wouldn't say necessarily that they've quite gotten there because that's such a huge lift operationally, organizationally, psychologically. But what I will tell you, Ron, is they're much more receptive to it than they've been in the past. And, I, and, I, and, and, I, and that's also driven by the divorce of the hour. You're finding more and more of the, the bookkeepers and the people that are in my core constituency, if you want to call it that, right? The, the majority of the people that I have the privilege of training are very small firms. And those very small firms try to mitigate risk with hourly based contractors and part-time employees. Right. And so it makes it very difficult, if not virtually impossible in terms of risk to reward ratio to, to charge a client based off of any flat or value price. And we know those are not the same thing, but so we'll say flat or value price um, to charge them on that basis while I'm paying, while my cost line I'm trying to control is hourly because now the firm is absorbing 100% of the risk. The clients smell like a rose, the, the, the bookkeeper that they've hired smell like a rose and the risk is mine. 
So what it's doing is it's not so much that they're embracing, hey, now is the time that value pricing, I've had an epiphany. I've just heard just enough of Ron and Ed that, that the light bulb came on. It's not that. What, what we're getting is out of a necessity again, I, I cannot um, manage the hours the way I thought that I could. I can't control things the way I thought they're good. The only way I can do it is to say, here is your book, work your book. I will pay you a flat rate to work your book. And then that's liberated them to, to do a flat rate. The other thing it's done, Ron, is it's taken this, this concept of every, every Tuesday and Friday, every other Wednesday, somebody's going to come in and plop into a cubicle in my office. and I'm going to pay them by the hour. That kind of fluid contractor stuff's gone too. And you're seeing more and more of the bookkeepers actually take the big bite and, do, and, and bring in a salaried employee. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful because that gives them capacity. And we've always been arguing that you should put capacity before revenue. Unfortunately, we find most firms do the opposite. They won't hire somebody until they're busting at the seams. That's exactly right. Exactly right. And and I come back to price on that. And it, it the reason that they're they're so close to the edge on that is because they don't have any surplus profits they can reinvest in expansion. So um, so what what blows my mind and, and it blows my mind and, and it's, it's an indictment of me, not them, it's an indictment of my category, not their category that 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 people who train to a, to small firms, we, we've got to be even more intentional with modeling, because um, through a scholarship program that Intuit launched with me on a value pricing workshop, um, I've gained a lot of learnings. We've had 2,500 people apply for a, a scholarship over the last 12 months. Um, and, you know, there's always attrition. So just about, I've trained just about a thousand uh, firms the last 12 months on value pricing, almost all of them small. And when I present the concept that one third goes to the producer, one third goes to general administrative and one third goes to the owner as a baseline. And then you start working around that, um, that to many of them, that's the first time they've even conceived of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then the, the real, the, so the real big barrier was when I'm the producer, they're still taking the model of, okay, well, I'm the producer. So therefore I don't need a third to go to the owner. The owner is the producer. And I'm like, no, just because you happen to be doing the work, you, your third is for producing. Then you still get the third for owning, right? And a third goes to GNA. Now, and I know that's not arbitrary. I'm just telling you that's, you know, this is the baseline of a starting place. And it also doesn't dictate price. I've listened to enough Ron and Ed to know you can't dictate a margin. Only the customer can set the price. It's a model. It's a, it's a, it's a plumb line for profitability, a thermostat. Well, when when you don't have that third going to GNA, you don't have any operating capital that you can dedicate to expansion, to research, to development. And so the only choice they have is to wait until the revenue is there to hire the person. And we call that a chicken or an egg. I don't know which comes first. I love it. Um, last time we had you on, Joe, you said you had changed your mind. I think it was before we went live. You said you changed your mind on two topics. And one of them was timesheets. I'm just curious, in the training of these 1,000 firms or so in value pricing, what do you tell them about the timesheet and their measurements? <laughs> I tell them to measure profitability by professional, and therefore they don't need a timesheet. 
Um, now, I had a, a guy named Ron Baker tell me that at a conference once, just profitability by professional. I can't remember which conference it was. We were, I could still envision the cocktail table. We were sitting around having a conversation. But, but I've got a powerful story to tell because some of the firms that we work with, I, I coach one-on-one, just a handful because it keeps me close to the, to the front lines. And um, this particular firm had never thought about profitability by professional. And when I began working with them, they had every Excel, they actually used Google Sheets, you could imagine, on dissecting that time. Uh, they, were, they were like surgeons of the timesheet. And, um, and they could not figure out how to get the bleed problem. They couldn't figure out how to measure their capacity. They were talking about buying all these very expensive capacity management systems because they could not get above a threshold. So I came in, thank you for the guidance, Ron. And I said, just scrap all this for a second. Just put it on the shelf. Don't even worry about time. Just take a person. What do you pay them? Take what they produce. How much money is that? And what's their margin? And they, it took them about a week to put all that together, surprisingly, because, you know, I guess they were more interested in their timesheets than they were their financials. They didn't have class tracking by professional, which I think everybody should have. So departmental, uh, put a department per professional. But they, it took them about a week to compile that. We came back and we had the most powerful conversations we've ever had for management purposes because we had names. So I see that Sally is operating at the worst profit margin. What's going on with Sally? And the funny thing was, they didn't have to think for one second. They knew exactly what aspects of it were Sally's problem, what aspects of it were Sally's book of business problem, and what aspects of it were unavoidable because it was a certain thing that Sally was doing administratively that they had to get over a hump. And I said, well, first we got to reclass that. That's not cost if it's administrative. So we start making adjustments. And out of that one, just that one profit by Sally, profitability by Sally, we came up with a training plan for Sally. We came up with a client we need to fire. And we, need, we came up with a client that had gone grossly over scope that we needed to do a change order on. I love it. What, who think, needs a timesheet? I love it. You know, the timesheet has no granular information like that. And you were only able to get those insights because you were looking at how work worked, you know, how work flowed through the organization. Anyway, Joe, this is great. It's flying by. Folks, I'd like to remind you, if you want to contact Ed or me, send us an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. Check out our Patreon subscription that where you can subscribe to us at patreon.com slash TSOE. That is now sponsored by 90Minds. Get ahead, hire a mind. Check them out at 90Minds.com. And now a word from our sponsors. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? 
I sure have. Have you ever listened to an advertisement for a book so many times that you question the existence of God? Me too. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I recorded the advertisement for Ron and Ed's book, The Soul of Enterprise Dialogues on Blah 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 Whatever, and four years later, we're all tired of it, especially me. But thankfully, there's a solution. For just $10 a month, you never have to hear my voice again. For a commercial-free version of The Soul of Enterprise, go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe now. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Talking today on the Soul of Enterprise with Joe Woodard and and Joe, you and Ron having that love fest to the accounting profession. Now I want to ask you: so, what did what did they what did they miss during COVID? What did they get wrong? What did what did they what should they have done in in, in addition to all that? Yeah, so that's actually a tougher question because they did so you know rise to the occasion. But um, so I'm, not, I'm less prepared to answer that one. I'm not sure that I've got anything specific for you, Ed. But um, what I can say is that there was an opportunity for them to lean into um, advisory skill sets that for the few that could cut through the COVID noise and capitalize on that acute need, do some financial analytics training, some cash flow projection training, um, learn some basic ratios to measure uh, to measure the financial performance position of the company. Uh, they the businesses were were hungrier than ever for that kind of information, and I would say most pointedly cash flow. But I can't be too hard on the the professions because the bookkeeping and accounting professions because they were, you know, severely distracted. But those that were able to cut through the distraction noise and capitalize on the opportunity, they did very well. Similarly to the way you know Microsoft and and Zoom did with innovating within it, cutting through the problem and addressing the heart of the problem, those that could innovate killed it. Well, one thing I think they they did miss, and we're starting to see reverberations of this right now, is as as we begin to come out of COVID and last reports that I've read that there's some really good signs that we're starting to see that this last. Uh, jump is starting to go back down. So maybe we're really, really coming around where we were maybe late June, early July, but was the great resignation, right? Uh, I, I, I talked to, to, to one, one firm leader who uh, had 17 people during COVID and in the last two months, 10 of them have left, 10 out of 17. Now he's probably an outlier, but we're hearing stories, especially among the, some of the the, the mid-sized firms, that this is this is really a big problem. And uh, I have my ideas as to what might be causing it, but I would be curious as to your your thoughts on it and what and what you're seeing too. Maybe in the smaller firms that you work with, it's not so much of an issue. But yeah, well, it's it it it's still a hiring problem because even apart from COVID, we we have a shortage of workers. It's a huge systemic problem throughout the professions. We have fewer professionals coming in. 
Um, we have a massive retire off. We've got lots of factors, as you guys know, you probably talked about that on the show, that's driving a worker shortage. But I would say a couple of things are probably driving um, this overall great resignation. And um, one of them is the lack of purpose within your job, right? Uh, I don't even like the word job. I don't like the concept of I've got to go to work, you know, not because I don't have a strong work ethic, but because what it says is I, it gets back to time. I'm going to go for a season, exchange time for money, doing something that I, I, I dread going to do, right? Um, so it's funny how so many of the worst things in life can be measured by time. <laughs> so, or are they good boy back to time? So, so I'm going to go give a little chunk of my, my chronological sequencing um, in order to, cause I'm not even sure they're giving their life. Their, their attention is not on the job. Their, their joy is not in the job. So I'm going to go give a little bit of chronological sequencing to this. And I'm going to get some money for it. So naturally when there's an opportunity, an economic disruption, that's partly subsidized by the government, uh, different argument if that's needed or not needed at this point. But, but th when there's a window that says, hey, I don't have to go embrace that drudgery. The other thing is a psychological jarring. You know, we get where you know, like hamsters on a wheel. You know, we, we just get into the wheel and we're, we, we're all now just muscle memory, mental muscle memory. Um, but I've seen a, a lot of people. We've all seen a lot of people moving from state to state. We've seen a lot of people changing occupations, not just resigning them. Um, and we've seen a lot of people who have taken the alternate turn and, and gone into states of depression or withdrawal uh, because what we didn't know until COVID hit is that the, the, the psychological muscle memory of the hamster wheel was, was creating energy when it was not sustained with purpose um, on the positive side or energy when it was countering depression or countering some other kind of, of issue um, on the negative side. It was insulating us from the truth. Now, um, to counter that, uh, when, when, when Disney World reopened their doors, I, I know they didn't staff up like that, but when they reopened their doors, you didn't see a lot of news stories about Disney can't find workers, right? I mean, restaurants can't find them. So why is Disney going full court press and how could they hire back up that fast? And it's because when you work for Disney, you understand your purpose. And people who work for Disney go to Disney. They're hired for Disney to serve that purpose, which is we create happiness. So the short story on this one, because it's an awesome story, uh, and anybody who employs people should listen to this, because this is what's going to drive people to excel. Um, we were commissioned by Disney Institute on an exercise when I was in one of their courses to go into Epcot and find their employees doing something above and beyond their job description. They didn't give us long. And we had to walk around with these little special iPads and write it down. But we went into France and in France, there was a worker who was putting pastries onto little paper plates. That was her whole job. She had the, the plastic apron. She had the plastic ha hairnet on. You have to get the image here, minimum wage worker. Um, and she saw this little boy standing at the beginning of the turnstile and didn't know how to navigate the turnstile. And it was made to look dungeonous because it was supposed to be a French castle. It was kind of scary to him. So she put down her, her uh, uh, prongs and she, she went around, got, uh, she got eye, eye, she got on one knee so she could get eye to eye with the little boy. And she said, do you need some help getting through the line? 
And he, he nodded yes. And so she walked him through the line, now with a smile on his face, got the pastry, helped him count out the change. Off he goes with a skip. Then she got back and she started putting the pastries on, on the tray again. And so when we got back to the Disney Institute, we had stories like that from all over our group in just a very short amount of time. And then they told us the secret that they tell their people anytime that they need to, they can be off task as long as it is to be on purpose. And when your purpose statement is we create happiness, you'll find every opportunity you can to create some happiness. That's why people came back to work for Disney World. It wasn't that even Disney World paid, paid more money. They, they probably are one of the largest minimum wage workforces in the country, but it was a purpose-driven company with a very positive culture. And I'm not going to say there's an indictment on your example, that firm leader, or any firm that lost their people, because there are lots of reasons people got off the hamster wheel. What I can tell you is, if you will infuse your business with purpose, if, you're, if your business is vision-driven, then you will have lower employee turnover. And, and, and I'm knock on wood, at Woodard, through the entire pandemic, we had not one person even hint that they wanted to leave. We've had two people change states, but stay in the company. They wanted to make sure that if they move, we're a virtual company, so I didn't care. Want to make sure that if we move, if they move, that they can get they can keep their job. And and it's because people show up to my job for our purpose. We empower small business advisors. They they have that frame of mind coming to work. It makes a difference. You just don't want them to move to California so they have Nexus in California. That would probably be a bad idea, Joe. Just, I, uh, I have I'm, two I'm team to members get, in California. <laughs> see, that's a, the mis- I'm trying to get Baker. I've been trying to get, get Baker to remove to Texas for years now. But um, uh, picking up on, on that, you know, as you said, two things that reminded me of some previous guests. One is is uh, Jody Thompson. Um, her, her great line is that work work is a thing you do, not a place you go. And and I think that that's 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 critically important. Uh, I would agree with you that it, it, the purpose was part of it, because I think that part of the whole great resignation across the board was really it was pent up, I guess, demand. In other words, people didn't leave their job and then all of a sudden, boom, now we have the opportunity to do so. So it, 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 what would have happened the attrition that would have happened normally over time. But I agree. The reason why it didn't fall, Disney didn't fall prey to that, and probably Southwest Airlines and the Container Store and you know all all of these other places, um, is is because they they purpose driven. And uh, that that was a great story. It, we are saying on that is we want you to be efficient with things, but effective with people. And what what that woman was was clearly being effective with that person, that 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 child, to make sure that that he understood. Yeah, they want we to go through that. Um, so, uh, Joe, there's a there's a lot of things going on right now in with regard to the accounting profession that where more and more companies are virtually abandoning their entire accounting department, like. And, and businesses that are, are in growth stages going through the transition of small to medium are not hiring people in accounting, but instead going to uh, CAS services, right? So client advisory services, as well as just outsourced bookkeeping. Uh, we've got only like about a minute or two left before our break, but I think this is a huge trend. I can truly see that five to 10 years from now, there are going to be very few companies that have anyone in their accounting department at all. Thoughts on that? 
Well, I couldn't agree more. The pendulum is definitely swinging toward outsourcing. And by that, I mean, they're outsourcing, not the industry's outsourcing. That's also mm-hmm. happening uh, because of the worker shortage. Uh, what, I'm, what I'm seeing for the group that I train most often is a big challenge here because I, I'm seeing that in the smaller realm, they're going to the Walmarts of bookkeeping, you know, H&R Block, Bench, Belay, Finance Pals, on and on, QuickBooks Live. Uh, and, and there is a huge wave of opportunity on the top side, but, but the small firm has to, has to grow into that, that larger space. They have to understand the full back office needs of that. They have to become sales tax compliance experts or partner with those who are. They, uh, they have to do more with the HR space. They have to do more with the insurance space, nexus management. But for those bookkeeping firms that will rise up to meet the needs of the larger businesses, they're going to insulate themselves from the Walmarts of bookkeeping while at the same time embracing a powerful, powerful opportunity. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I couldn't agree more. And, and certainly we have, you know, this guy, Jeff Bezos, putting $400 million into a company called Pilot. So, you know, now that the now that the bookkeeping profession is also competing with, I don't know, Amazon effectively, <laughs> maybe maybe this will get someone's attention. But all right, Joe, as it flying by, as Ron says, and uh, we want to remind you that you can contact both of us by sending one email to asktsoe at verisage.com. The website is The Soul of Enterprise, where you have show notes as well as previews to upcoming shows posted out there. But right now, a word from our sponsor. America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever listened to an online radio show that changed your life? I'm required to say that I have. Have you ever stopped listening to an online radio show because the commercials were mind-numbingly repetitive? Of course you haven't because you're here right now. Look, you don't have to listen to me anymore. There's a commercial-free version of this show, and it only costs $10 a month. And for $15 a month, you get no commercials plus bonus content. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE, subscribe now, and be free. You're worth it. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You 
were tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Welcome back, everybody. We're here for the third time with one of our most popular guests, Joe Woodard. And Joe, I got to ask you, I saw, I think you did a webinar, maybe it was this week, on the backseat driver client. I just have to ask you, what is that? Yeah, the backseat driver client, uh, bookkeepers encountered this client more so than do tax preparers. But to the backseat driver client is the client that says, I'm going to hire you because you're the expert and I want you to do the work that I'm hiring you to do as a professional. However, I'm going to dictate exactly how you do it. Um, so, and I would, I tell, would tell this joke if my wife were in the room, this is a joke that we often tell, uh, together, but, uh, if I go anywhere with my wife and anybody asks, well, you know, who drove and I'll say, well, my wife did. And sometimes she was behind the wheel. So, cause she's a backseat driver, right? So the, 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 the idea is, you know, does the client feel like they need to steer the situation? Do they need, feel like they need to have a hand on that wheel? And unfortunately, in the area of bookkeeping, they think that they can contribute from their, I mean, they fix lawnmowers or they make robotic machinery, but all of a sudden, they know how to do bookkeeping better than a professional career bookkeeper. The tax prepares, could you imagine how crazy that would be if it happened in tax? I mean, imagine sitting down, you're onboarding a brand new client and they're like, well, do you do use uh, Intuit Pro Connect or Drake or CCH? Well, you know, if you used CCH, then the workflow would be, that would be crazy. Nobody has a conversation like that with a tax preparer. Nobody would presume to dictate. That'd be like me telling my lawyer exactly which uh, billing solution they're supposed to use, though I do tell him not to track time. Um, so, yeah, that falls on deaf <laughs> ears. It. But the, the point is, um, you know, I, why? Why do they think all of a sudden? And I think it's because the software has been so ubiquitous the the commercialization of that software and its promotion has told them a myth all the way back to the beginning days of QuickBooks. There was this infomercial that ran in the 1990s. You can still Google it. Um, it's out there. And it was two business owners talking to themselves and said, oh, you don't need a bookkeeper anymore because if you can write a check, you can use QuickBooks. Um, and that was in the mid-1990s. And that myth got set there in the minds of the small business, and not just because of that commercial, but because of the PC revolution. Now, all of a sudden I have a PC. If I have a PC and AutoCAD, I'm an engineer, right? They just, it was this overreach of the power of the local computer. But for some reason it stuck with small business owners um, that they now know how to do it better. Now, I will give a little defense to the small business owners. They also, uh, cannot disconnect the back office from the front office. There's a, mm -hmm. a much, there's a straight line, not a dotted line, whereas tax and assurance does not impact the operations of their business in any way. So that overlap creates some of the problem too. But for the bookkeeper or the CAS department to overcome that hurdle, um, first you must lead out with confidence you're going to have to show them. And a lot of that is just how you carry yourself, how you see yourself, how you brand yourself. Um, you're going to have to establish to them, I've got this. 
And when they do try to put the uh, hand on the wheel, set the appropriate boundaries. Don't let that happen. That's a relationship boundary. Um, the second thing that you need to do is connect what you do and how you do it to how it alleviates their pain. That's in one aspect of it or how it makes their life better, more modern, more secure. Because in that communication, they're, you're, they're going to see, oh, you really do know how to do this better than I do. And if I will let go of the wheel, I will have a better existence. So it's a confidence builder and it's also a motivator. And then include into every single statement of work something that, that, that costs them if they want to do it their own way. So, so if it, yes, you can still be on this other GL platform than the one that I organically support, but it's going to be at X option increase. Um, and I, by the way, anybody should be doing the same thing with deadlines, but that's all other conversation. They, they refuse to pay timely. Okay, great. Write it in pre-exercise option. If I don't have the information I need by this date, the price of your tax return goes up. Right. I wouldn't even say now ask them for the money. No, it was a pre-exercise passive option in the agreement, they initialed it, they missed the deadline, tax return price goes up. So, um, and, and then make sure that you regulate that tightly with change orders. Don't let even a single inch happens or, or they will take a mile. And then ultimately, if you wanna deal with a backseat driver client, you have to be willing to walk away. Because when I shared all the things that I just shared there, a lot of, a lot of people were thinking, well, I'll just, my clients won't stick if I make them do it my way. And I love stories. So I'm just going to end on one little story here so that people can, can really track how ridiculous the client's ask is here. Let's imagine that I went into Starbucks and I borrowed this from Darren Root. I want to give Root credit where credit's due. This is his metaphor. Let's say I walk into Starbucks and I tell them that I do want a cup of coffee, but I want them to use my beans. Could you please? I like my beans. All right. Or another one, how about I walk into Starbucks and I say, you can use your coffee. You don't need to use my coffee. I like your coffee, uh, but I want you to use my Keurig machine. Here it is. All right, and you pull out the Keurig machine. All right, or, or here's, here's another one. How about you use your equipment? You use your beans. And they're like, thank you. Uh, but, but I am going to walk down the line with you the whole way and I'm going to tell you the best way to do it. I know you put the chocolate in the bottom See, No, don't put the chocolate at the bottom. Let's start over now, right? When in truth, Starbucks knows how to make their own product better than I do if I will just get out of the way and wait for them to call my name, right? And, that, it, and so we need to be more like Starbucks and a little bit less like we've been. Has there been, I, and I was going to bring up that story. Thanks for telling that story. I love that story. Have, have accountants gotten better with that? Um, no. Really? Uh, yeah, I was reaching for a hopeful answer. I, it, it, I, well, well, what I will tell you is tax preparers have always been okay on this, and so have auditors. But, but bookkeeping, and especially the smaller CPA practice CAS, um, they're still, the client's driving way too much. And it's worse outside of the CPA firm's CAS department. Um, here's a tragedy, and it does not apply to all bookkeepers, but you know, here's a tragedy. Many bookkeepers, bravely and heroically leave an employer who is undercompensating them, underappreciating them, disempowering them and undervaluing them to then just jump from that frying pan into the fire of 10 employers, employers, meaning clients who undervalue them, who underappreciate them. 
And, and so really they've traded one, one employer for 10 employers. They, they, they did bravely start a company. They didn't change the mindset about who they were. And because of that, the mindset repels the right kind of clients, draws the wrong kinds of clients, and they've got to break out of that problem, which is why I did the webinar. Let me ask you this, Joe. We've been talking a lot for the last two and a half years about the subscription economy. Ed and I are big believers that the customers of accounting firmships should subscribe to the firm that we, we spent the whole first segment talking about the relationship, but let's face it, when you look at the business model, we don't monetize the relationship. We monetize the transactions. And I think that's a deep flaw. And I want to move the accounting profession over to like what concierge medicine or direct primary care medicine, where you subscribe to a general physician and they handle anything you need that they're capable of doing. And that's a big caveat, but of what they're, if you need a specialist, they'll get you that. But if they're capable of doing it under their four walls, then it's inclusive in one price. Now you could still have options and all of that, but what's your reaction to that? Well, and I think that's extremely achievable. And I think there are two different pathways that people could take. I think that with a, a quest for knowledge, right? And, and in order to have a proper knowledge set, you must take sacrifices of efficiency because knowledge trumps efficiency. And, and intellectual capital times effectiveness equals price. That's straight out of the firm of the future. So, so if you if you'll invest in knowledge and cross training in a, in a shorter runway than you can imagine, you'll get to the place where you can capitalize that additional knowledge, and you can start in areas that are germane to you as a bookkeeper, like cash flow projections, accounts receivable, analytics, spending curation or spending management, budget curation, light touch financial measurements. You don't have to change occupations, bookkeepers and cast directors. You don't have to get into this fractional CFO division or workload in order to, to, to embrace that expansion of knowledge where maybe you're not 100% of what the business needs, but you're at least 100% of what they need in terms of the financial operations of the company on a daily basis, which is a big leap forward. We call that bookkeeping plus, which is not particularly original because I I was actually watching my Apple TV and I was like, plus, plus, plus. Oh yeah, how about bookkeeping plus? So, so let's plus up the bookkeeping. Let's do cast plus. Okay, but for the, for, the, for the ones that do want to be everything, create a network, borrow from what the medical community is doing. Network with those who are specialists. Don't just know of them. Don't just say, hey, I'll send you a client board. Network with them in a very formal way. Share economics in a very formal way share the goodness of the subscription if you can get that far in a very formal way and um and then you can be all things to all people yeah and, and i love that because that's really leveraging the social capital that all firms have but it's the least leveraged of the three types of intellectual capital that we talk about i've got to ask you joe you did a reality tv show tell us about it <laughs> In fact, I think yeah. you did two. Two seasons of it. We have a third season that's coming. So we were on the COVID, uh, COVID freeze. But um, seasons one and two are already out. Now, when we say seasons, I'm using my air quotes because each episode is about 10 or 15 minutes or about 10 episodes per season. So you can watch the whole thing about an hour and a half. It's all free. It's commercial free. But um, in, in, the, in these, uh, the production values are extremely high. It's about $100,000 an hour. Of production budget. So, so it's going to be cable television quality level, 
uh, free at water.com and our resources drop down menu. But the, what we did is um, we, our vision is to transform small business through small business advisors, but we had, we need to inspire more small business advisors to be transformative, not just to be transactional. So better way to inspire them than to document a small business advisor actually doing it. And we did it in a reality TV format, but it's not scripted and it's not contrived. So it is the format for enjoyment is reality TV, but it's really a video case study of an actual small business advisor actually transforming a small business through technology deployment in this case. And we call it tech makeover. Wow, that sounds awesome. I'm gonna have to check that out. We will definitely link to that in the uh, in the show notes. Uh, real quick, what books have you read since we last spoke that have really impacted you? Well, I was a little late to the party on it, but I finally got around to measuring what matters. Finally, can you believe it? Um, but it it impacted me so significantly that it's revolutionized the way that that's what everybody says, right? Who actually applies it? The way we run our business here. Um, with the objectives and key results. We were big on KPIs and we had really good predictive analytics. We were really good on financial measurements, but we weren't connecting. What we found is between purpose, which is the daily, what you do, and vision, which is the, the magnetic north compass point, in between those two things, measurement must take place that is aligned with purpose and aligned with vision. And the key results are more connected to the purpose, the daily grind. The objective is more connected to the vision. And it was the missing bridge between our purpose and our vision. Uh, the second one, and I know that we're tight uh, here for the next break, but the second one that really made a difference for me was The Advantage by Patrick Lencioni, and particularly um, his section in that book on company values and the distinction between core and operational and aspirational values made a huge difference in our business. That's awesome. Well, Joe, thank you so much. I'm going to uh, let Ed take you the way home, but I just want to say thanks again for appearing on the Soul of Enterprise for the third time. And folks, I'd like to remind you, we will post full show notes with our interview with Joe at thesoulofenterprise.com. And now we want to hear from our sponsor and Ed's employer, Sage. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever been so annoyed by a commercial for a $5 ebook that you were willing to pay $10 to never hear it again? I sure have. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. Over the last several years, you've come to hate me, and I hate me too. By now, you know that for $5, you can get a copy of Ron and Ed's book. What you might not know is, for twice that much every month for forever, you can stop hearing 
hearing me plug Ron and Ed's book, which totally makes sense, like the Diamond Water Paradox. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe today. Please, for the love of God, make it stop! You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. And finishing up our conversation, our third conversation with Joe Woodard. Joe, I want to take a, a macro approach here to this last segment and just... Uh, get your thoughts on something that's concerning to me. I see a lot of the new the regulations that are coming down um, for governments all over the place, statewide and, and also federal, uh, and and I, and I think it's it's it potentially starting to have an impact on the creation of new businesses and and entrepreneurs really being able to create without permission in some ways. I, I know you do a lot of reading, a lot of erudite on a lot of lot of different subjects. Is this something that you're concerned with or have been thinking about as well? Well, I am. I am. And um, my hope is that the measures that are being taken here are very temporary, very responsive to the COVID crisis. My hope is that we are emerging out of the COVID crisis. And what we're seeing right now, Ed, my hope is that it will not be a pervasive, uh, have a pervasive impact on small business. My concern is that some, not all, of the folks that are creating these regulations are not doing them in response to COVID, but instead are doing them for other reasons and using COVID as leverage. And if that's the case, then they could end up becoming more pervasive. Now, it would be a completely different conversation if these are good or they're bad. I'm just saying they exist, and I'm, and I'm just questioning how long will they exist. Um, that could change by COVID coming, going. That could change by different people controlling the Congress, uh, the White House coming, going, pendulum swing back and forth. What I can tell you for the world we're living in now, because that's all crystal ball stuff, for the world we're living in now, I'm seeing some of the same. But I, I'm, I'm seeing not so much innovation being tabled as rechanneled. It's not taking place from employers who work for purpose-driven, value-infused companies. It's happening uh, at kitchen tables. It's happening with people doing Schedule C work, uh, people that are doing gig work in order to sharpen and hone their skills are just hanging their shingle because now to hang your shingle, use the shingles of your own home. No overhead, no new condo unit to buy. Um, just you know, just go get a desk or use a use your kitchen table and start a business. So I don't know what's going to happen to small business employers. That's the one that's most at risk. But to the not, to the people who are not employed by an enterprise business, I'm seeing a bit of an explosion. Uh, a, 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 an economy of the independent, right? And, and I think that fueled by work from home environments, fueled by really cheap infrastructure technology like Microsoft and Google offer you these days, fueled by pervasive internet, supported economically to hedge the bet by some gig work and um, Schedule C's will abound. 
Yeah, I've, I have a feeling that we're going to see a lot of companies that are 99 and fewer emerge out of with what, what's going on with COVID regulations and stuff. At the same time, though, the challenge that I see is that states like California are making it harder and harder to really be classified as gig workers and that, in, insisting that that you know, Uber and Lyft and all this pay, pay their people as employees when they're really not. Yeah, well, you'll just jump to another gig gig company, right? Or jump to a company uh, that, or you'll jump states, which we're seeing a lot of times happen too. So people are following their dreams now across straight state lines. They're they're following their dreams from from one uh, gig based uh, worker, part time worker, sort of partial attention worker to another. Anything necessary to preserve the innovation that's now taking place at that kitchen table. Now, I'm not saying I've got data on that. I, that's observational. That's anecdotal, but that was the context of the question. Sure. Well, we've got about three or four minutes left, Joe. What are you working on? Well, I am working on a book right now, and it's always dangerous to say you're working on a book because then if you know you get distracted, somebody will ask you a year later, "How's that book?" Right? But I am <laughs> deep in right now on a book uh, on living with the, the sort of art of extreme intentionality. Um, and in the book, it's a great way to kind of end, given where I know where you guys stand. Um, in, in the book, I, uh, I tackle what must be managed, not how it's measured. John Doerr's done that very well, but what must be managed. And uh, this, this whole concept of time management that has sent us into the wrong direction for decades. Um, you can't manage time. Uh, that would be like saying, I'm going to go to the gym to manage my gravity. Um, all right. Time is time's a force. It, it's, it's just it's an existence beyond you. You live with it. It's a constraint. It. Yep. It's a constraint, right? Gravity is a constraint. So I don't manage my gravity. I manage my muscles. So I might, I might live within the constraint of time that might influence how I manage. But what am I actually managing? I'm managing my tasks. And then ultimately, I'm not managing my tasks. Ultimately, I'm managing or curating my purpose, which the task serves which means ultimately I'm managing a mission, which is ultimately served by a vision. And all of this will cause your life to be a life of extreme intentionality, a life that does in the present under a consideration of the future, a life that's prudent, that stewards opportunities, that achieves amazing outcomes. And we don't have enough of that in the human existence. We're just trying to do things faster and cram more into a minute. Amen. Let's just go, we'll just give that an amen and we'll wrap it up from there, Joe. Joe Woodard, thanks so much for being on the Soul of Enterprise. Really appreciate it. Ron, what do we got coming up next week? Next week, Ed, we have Kimberly Josephson. Josephson. She is the Associate Professor of Business Administration at Lebanon Valley College. I'm sure we'll talk to her about ESG and things that you were asking Joe about with these regulations. She writes for fee, so I'm looking forward to that. All right. Outstanding. I'll see you in 167 hours. This has been the soul of enterprise business and the knowledge economy sponsored by Sage, transforming the way people think and work so their organizations can thrive. Join us next week, folks, on Friday at noon Pacific time. In the meantime, check us out at thesoulofenterprise.com. Well, where we will have full show notes with our interview with Joe Woodard today. Also, you can contact Ed or me 
at asktsoe at verisage.com. Thanks for listening, folks. Have a great weekend. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. Sustainable success is just around the corner. If you are an entrepreneur, business leader, or anybody looking for their next level of success, tune into Sustainable Success with host Chris Salem. Did you know that the path to success is a long path that started many years ago? The path you started on then determines what is happening now. Chris and his amazing guests in their field will help you navigate the path to sustainable success every Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all of our show archives on demand. All from your iOS, Amazon Kindle, or Android device. Download it from the Apple App Store, Amazon, or Google Play, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Influencers lead, but on Twitter, they also follow. Check out what the influencers are saying and talk back to us with your great ideas. Follow the Voice America Influencers channel on Twitter at VA Influencers. That's at VA Influencers and join in. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit VoiceAmerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. If you're an influencer... 